Welcome back to another alignment discussion, broadcast, podcast, meeting of conscious creators. Uh, today, we're going to be taking a bit of a new format. Uh, we're going to be deviating into a new format, which I'll get to in just a moment. But before we begin, I would like to share a little bit about conscious creators with our listeners in case you haven't heard before. Our purpose as conscious creators is to fulfill fundamental needs and guide others who have a desire and willingness to do the same. These needs are security, which we define as the need to be free from the fear of imagined danger or threat. Connection, which we define as the need to share a sustained feeling of affinity with others. Community, which we define as the need to relate and collaborate with others in a way that brings about mutual fulfillment. Intimacy, which we define as the need to share a sincere and authentic connection with others. Communication is the need to share or exchange thoughts, feelings, and desires with one another. Creative expression is the need to bring something new into existence through deliberate and inspired action. Sensation is the need to physically feel, especially authentic human emotion. Progression is the need to gradually develop towards a more desired aim or state of being. And finally, the need for reflection is to engage in careful thought with consideration of conscious insights. So our purpose is outlined in the following set of measures. Number one, we recognize habit patterns that undermine our purpose. We gain awareness of those self-defeating habit patterns. We acknowledge the limitations of those self-defeating habit patterns. We begin to cultivate a curious and receptive mind. We accept the possibility of new, life-affirming possibilities. We bring our perspective into alignment with our purpose. We commit to acting upon the insights of a conscious and creative mind. We create space by releasing what no longer serves us. And number nine, we consciously create new life-affirming experiences. The way of the conscious creator is a spiritual practice. After achieving physical sobriety, many in recovery find that their established habit patterns diminish their quality of recovery and increase their chances of relapse. In order to sustain conscious contact with a greater power than self, Recovering addicts need to become responsible for the mental effects of their undermining habit patterns. We practice meditative mantras to help the trauma-affected mind become open to new, life-affirming possibilities. Our spiritual practice mitigates the effects of self-defeating habit patterns, much like chemotherapy can shrink tumors, or medication can make a virus undetectable. This creates the mental space to reconnect with the greater power than self gradually over time. Our practice helps to overcome intellectual resistance through a direct personal experience. So we're going to be going through a series of uh, uh, alignment discussion dialogues where basically we're going to read the intro and we're going to invite folks in to ask questions and 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 and. Um, kind of go with the conversation wherever they're, they're basically offering uh, an hour out of their time to come in off the streets as like a layman and go like, what the, what the hell are you guys doing here? What is conscious creators? What did you just read to me? Like, explain this to me. 
like and through explaining it through taking the time and asking the questions and being someone who's like asking questions and has a desire to understand i get to answer those questions and help you understand and through that i get to understand like kind of the best way to write the final pass of the first book in a way that's going to be useful to people as opposed to because i'm not trying to make myself sound smart I, I i've only learned this in a way that i've learned it I've, I've i've been grogging this and downloading this and kind of working with i don't know what for a long time but it's bearing fruit now and so now i know that my job is to take this personal experience that i'm having like this this inner transmutation or this inner transformation i'm having with my own self and be able to give it to people who are have a desire to learn in a way they can, it can be helpful to them. So, and today we have Nancy here. And so Nancy, just start, start, start right from the gate. Like first off, check in, talk about where you're at. You were saying, you were saying prior to the last pressing record that you've had kind of a week. And so I just, you know. Um, well, you were touching on. Instinct mode. Instinct mode. And I, I haven't, I can't say that I've been in instinct mode my entire life, but I have, the pandemic brought out the worst for me. And I mean, it's really something you have no control over. It's isolating. It's, you know, it's everything that made me, when I was young, I, re, I was thinking about how I used to freeze when I would have to, you know, I'd be in a bad situation, you know, with my parents fighting or whatnot. And that situation with the pandemic, I was basically in freeze mode. Mm -hmm. And I'm still kind of stuck in freeze mode. And I go to meetings and whatnot. And um, I read too. I need to, I, I, I know I have to, since we're talking about this, basically look at my reactions to things from a very young age when maybe I didn't have control to being an adult and really go back into those, realize, I see yourself as the objective person looking at you, at yourself, mm -hmm. you know, the observer, they say in meditation. And um, I think that's what mantras are that, that you're talking about are designed to do and also meditation. And I was reading well, this is a very specific process. It's it's very targeted, and um, in the beginning, it was a lot of digging up and looking at, and you know, trying to get clear on, which is important to a certain degree. But then, what we discovered as we were moving through that is that became its own obsession, and trying to figure it all out. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing now, but what the only point of bringing that up is to notice these patterns that we have as a result of those experiences that you were just talking about and say, or do those serve me? And if they don't serve me, we're just going to keep those and we're going to write them down and we're going to become clear on them as a point of reference as to what not to create moving forward. So we have this thing we have in, in that's why the, process is is divided into three triads so there's nine measures total there's three triads and in the first triad there's three measures and the first measure is basically 
we're beginning to recognize a pattern. Like, cause it kind of happens in a moment. Like, like you said, like the, the, the pandemic brought out the worst in people. And so a lot of people were noticing like, wow, I'm reacting a lot to what's going on. And the point of conscious creators is to get the mind to respond rather than react. Cause when it reacts, there's an actual chemical reaction that's taking place. We're actually adrenalizing and we're actually releasing, releasing like stress hormones. And we're actually bringing ourselves into a, a survival mode or a state diminished state of fight or flight where like fight freeze or, or, or flee happens. And so instead of reacting, that's why the very, very first fundamental need that we're responsible for is the fundamental need for security, which do you, do you mind reading that? to the audience and then just what, the, the very the first one. one yep they need to be free from the fear of imagine imagined danger or threat so we're we're not saying keep ourselves in a cocoon and, and just keep uh, isolate ourselves and i'm not saying you're doing this but people in general everything needs to be real safe and like we're going to limit any potential like don't fall down don't don't get hurt driving like all that we're saying that there is danger in the world there is threat but the ones we want to be able to distinguish the ones that our minds are creating and imagining from those that are observable and actually happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's all what my, what I was trying to say is it's all based on the way I am choosing to think about it from years and years and years of repeating the same reactions from an early age absolutely it's you know i also listen to dr leaf when she's she's the neuro the neuro cycle that she talks about is when you have a reaction to something mm -hmm. and an emotion like i had a really strong um emotional reaction to something last week well they you trace that back and back and back until you find the very root of it and that's when you find that root, that's what you work with to get rid of the um, strength of that emotion that has accumulated over the years. Because more and more time goes by, mm -hmm. the stronger rea the reaction is. And it's not, you know, if it's not a good reaction, it's these are like emotions on crack, mm -hmm. is what I would say. There's similar emotions that one would experience if they were smoking crack, especially coming down. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I really, I didn't do crack, so, but I'm sure there's something I did in my life where I could relate. Yeah. But, you know, that's, the whole thing is, like, I, the one thing that bugs me about regular meetings, um, I don't need to talk about everything I went through in my whole life. Right. I know I've already done that, and I can't only hear myself so many times. Although I really get a lot when I hear what how someone has started in this point and how they used, you know, something to help them because they got, you know, it didn't, nothing was working and then how they slowly come out of it. But then there's a point where you got to say, okay, I, I'm, I'm still reacting to the same things over and over and over and over again and talking about it at a meeting. That's not, yes. that doesn't make it go to be get any better for me. Yes. And that's kind of what was happening with the groups before the actual part, the actual answer came. And so the answer to all this for, for me and, and that I've experienced going through this is that you're absolutely right. You know, we have these experiences and we have our reaction to those experiences and that reaction to avoid something usually 
creates a pattern of avoidance in some way. And so that pattern over time, when we're in our teens and early 20s, we're still relatively connected to our innocence and spirituality. But as we, because what happens physiologically through our research is that when something like that happens, there is actually a flashbulb memory of the trauma that is created. So cortisol, when it's released, it creates a flashbulb memory. So if there's anything that even remotely even resembles the experiences that we had in our youth that were traumatic, we are going to react and we're going to go into that fight or flight and we're going to avoid that other one, even if that thing that was coming at us was an opportunity rather than a threat. Does that make sense? You say an opportunity to grow instead of looking at it as, as a threat because you're too young to know. I'm talking about now in adulthood. So let's say, for example, there was someone who. You're saying this, this is what conscious creators is going to do? No, no, no. What I'm doing is I'm just saying like the way that we're set up and with these patterns, once we create the pattern and then we repeat the pattern, we recreate the pattern each time we avoid something, for example, each time we freeze and turn away from conflict, each time we turn away from conflict, that becomes more automatic. And by the time we're middle aged, those patterns, those survival patterns of avoidance have become ingrained and automatic. They become who we are and we are now living in our trauma avatar. Yeah. And so the only solution that I have found for that, there's no like, so it's recognizing the patterns that activate the fear that turn on the avatar. And what, what conscious creator does is it goes in and it, and we actually intervene upon those actual patterns and we put them into dormancy by redirecting our mind to focus on these desired possibilities. So we're not, we're saying we're hardwired that way. And where there's no AA meeting, there's nothing external that's going to change our neuro wire, like our neurobiological wiring that we have. We've created these thought patterns. They are ingrained and automatic, and they're absolutely who we are now. And we are possessed by this trauma avatar that tends to see things as threats and danger rather than opportunities for growth and expansion. So the only way to get out of that trauma avatar, to liberate our authentic self from that trauma avatar is to increase our vibration. And we have to tap into the love consciousness and get out of the instinctual fear. And so that happens through the practice. If you have any questions, I'd like to really keep it focused on, because I know there's things with AA. This is more just about like, I'm trying to impart this. And so like, we just keep the focus on like asking questions specifically about this. So this makes sense. So is this, is this like, um, for people who are have addictions or is this something completely different or i thought this was mostly for people who had addictions and trying to go a step above sure yeah so let's talk a little bit about um open that up what this we define it as attachment addiction and so anyone who is possessed or is any authentic human self that is possessed by their trauma avatar suffers from attachment addiction. Because when you're possessed by your trauma avatar, you're, you, we are attached to an identity that has a persona. We have a character. We have an identity. There's things 
Does that make sense to you? Like we have beliefs that we support about ourselves. We have beliefs about the world. We're, we're not worthy. We're a victim. The world's unsafe. Whatever those things are, when we are triggered into fear and, and, and become possessed by that trauma avatar, all of those self-defeating beliefs become active. And we begin to connect to the world through a different lens. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just. I'm... And so internally, what happens when we be, when that physiological change happens, there's no internal connection to spiritual love and truth anymore. We've turned away from that and we've disconnected as we've attached to this avatar and its identity. And as that's the root, that's the beginning of the attachment addiction. And then that lack of connection internally, that lack of inner wholeness and joy creates, it creates a void of incompletion. It makes us feel incomplete. We don't have what we need energetically. So we begin to attach ourselves to different mechanisms and intoxicants in order to compensate for that lack of power. So you just, so basically... Well, it is for um, any kind of addiction, but it doesn't have to be like a chemical addiction. It, it really encompasses all what you would say, all, um, I don't know if you could say programs here, but like if you're attached to a person, mm -hmm. um, that's codependency. And if you go to one of those meetings, this is just a, an umbrella for everything you could be attached to that's not healthy, that's not serving you. It's based on a, a tra traumatic incident that you reacted to that you that made you run and live in fear mm -hmm. as opposed to accepting it as it challenges what you're saying. Correct. Like, well, I mean, those were definitely real. Those were really uh, uh, traumatic things, and we were not equipped to have any other kind of reaction. There's nothing we did wrong or we could have done different. In, even up till being an adult before, because what, what conscious creators does is it ha enables us to tap into what's called conscious awareness. And that's not self-awareness. Conscious awareness, we actually dis like break things down into components. So there's like God consciousness. We don't personify it as a man or a woman. And then persons can do their own thing. This is just my understanding of it. So each person can build their own whatever they want to call it. That's why we just call it GPS, greater power than self. But the GPS, when we're tapped into it, I'm a human being. So I have a human and that human has a self and the self can get, that authentic self can get ensnarled and kind of possessed in the trauma avatar if we're living in fear. But I have a being and the being has consciousness. So the consciousness of being is like my fundamental essence. Like who I am might be ash or gray, but what I am is a conscious being. So, and that's the direct extension of like God consciousness. And whatever that we're vibrating at is the part of God consciousness that we're going to experience. If we're living in a lot of fear and self-hatred, then we're going to get the, you know, because God consciousness is everything. We're going to tap into that part of God consciousness that enables us to like it, does, it, it almost like we're going to tap into that vibration of God consciousness. If we're in love and we're in like, you know, positive creativity and we're in mutual, like we're, um, we're collaborating with people and relating with people in meaningful ways and we're building deep connections and we're basically living in the absence of that fear. We're living in security. Then we're going to tap into a totally different part of God consciousness. And so but the thing that you said on earlier that I think should be distinguished is 
I'm not choosing to indulge in these patterns when I come into conscious creators. These ingrained and automatic patterns that you described from a childhood, by the time that we're my age or like middle aged, that's, that's no longer a choice. We're just reacting to those like some a doctor hitting a mallet with the rubber mallet. Like it's just automatic. We're not, there's no conscious choice in that. We're powerless over that. We're just doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, that's what I was just reading in that book that I was talking to you about. But the, but the choice comes through the conscious awareness because once we can see the pattern, like once we see the pattern as something we've created, as opposed to something we are, see the difference? Yeah, I mean, that took a lot to, a, I could, I knew this, I could say, this is my reaction, but I really believed the, that it was real, if I, I, I cannot like I grew up with certain beliefs thinking all people have these beliefs, you know, we're all supposed to be kind. We're supposed to not lie. We're supposed to do all these things. We're supposed to, but then when you get into, when you look around you, you see a lot of things that don't coincide with that. Mm -hmm. And within but, your own family or within society in general, I think in general, I mean, yeah. starting with your family. Right. And, and then, um, so people living out of integrity with those values that you were trying to live in. Is that what you're saying? It, well, it's kind of, none of it really makes sense. If you just say, um, you can't, you, you shouldn't lie mm -hmm. or in church, it was like, don't, you can't lie or you go to hell. Right. Um, and then you see lies everywhere. It's just confusing because and nobody talks about it. No one's like, well, you know, they're they're probably doing that because they had um, some experience and they need to work through it or what. Like nothing's explained, so it's just like nothing makes sense, you know. Yeah. But um, it goes so far back. I mean, it goes from really when you're born. Correct. You know. Yeah. And to think that. Everything you experienced is is based on your own personal memory, but yet we have all have so much in common as human beings. So I, I think I find it really challenging to know, like we have no memories the same, not me and you, we, none of our memories are the same. Uh, ever. What, what do you mean? Well, all your memories are based on your life. And then those are your reactions to your own memories and mine as well. Yep. You didn't live my life and you didn't react the way I did. Correct. But yet we, we both understand similar things and we both want to feel security and we both, you know, want to live with integrity or whatnot. So, I, I mean, on some levels we all relate as human beings, but we're actually completely different experiences. Well, yeah, the experiences are very different and the way that people have been relating through those experiences are very different. And those have been kind of what has made a person unique up till now. And what this is, and it's interesting because what you were describing was like this man-made moral conscience. It's like, you know, the religions and even here, it's like there's these principles and we're principled people. We're going to live in this conscience and we're going to have this conscience of like do right, not wrong and that kind of thing. And that's kind of that what's when when the self is living within this reality that's basically controlled by all the trauma avatars, which this is the fear and control consciousness. Then there's these hard lines. There's these like dogmas and all these things that have to be put on humans to get them to kind of heal and to submit and to behave and to do all this thing. And so that is very much 
a possessed authentic self with limited spiritual awareness and connection, just kind of abiding or obeying to this oppressive thing of conscience. And so what happens with conscious creators is as we begin to liberate the authentic self from the trauma avatar and reintegrate with that consciousness of being inherent within the consciousness of being are the fundamental principles of being and they're inherent within each and every one of us and as we start to wait one second go for it when you said um what is your authentic self i mean from before you were even born or is it what is your authentic self is if everything we know is based on our own personal experiences and um traumas or whatever you know well the authentic authentic self the authentic the authentic human self began to become inauthentic the minute it was born out out of the the mother's womb and in conscious creators we talk about the garden of eden not being uh some weird place in never never land but it's actually in utero And so when the serpent comes along and talks to Eve, the serpent's not talking to a woman, a girl, the serpent's actually the instinctual mind activating, preparing that human being to understand its vulnerability and need to survive. And Eve is just the receptive feminine uh, subconscious mind of that human being. And Adam is the conscious masculine um, expressive part of the mind. So Eve subconsciously gets the message and then tells, tells Adam and Adam takes the action. Adam's the one hiding in the bush. Adam's the one who's demonstrating the thing. Eve's not even visible. So that's actually two parts of the same mind. Humans have a dual aspect. So there's the masculine and the feminine in every man and woman. And what happened during the, the, the pandemic was a lot of people's masculine energy, men and women alike, the expressive, the part, they became out of balance. They became very passive. They became very um, frozen because the masculine energy, because of lack of movement, because of lack of active act, action to activate, to express expression it made everyone kind of dormant and, and, and docile and all that and so the authentic self once the self once the human beings born into this world with a snip of the surgeon's scalpel and a breath of this world's dysfunctional air we begin to substitute that spiritual love and truth for dysfunction for insanity of all the trauma avatars that have come before us and they start to love us in their way which is really just a condition kind of love it's a fearful love it's a it's a love mixed in with need for control and instinctual fear and all this other stuff and so we begin to descend into matter so to speak we fall asleep you know that's the garden of eden so we're born and then we start going to bed and I can remember Dylan and Emmy when they're very young, you know, they were like playing with the stars. They were doing this weird thing. They weren't even here yet. Their bodies were here, but their spirits were still like traveling through the universe. And I, you know, and as Dylan became two or three, she's like, I just want to go back. I don't want to be here. Broke my heart. Cause she's like, this is crazy. Like I want to be two or three again when I was my closest I would ever be to my authentic higher self. And so that all that can happen to the authentic higher self, is it can become worsened. And oftentimes it is worsened and it becomes corrupted. And so that does that answer your question about the authentic higher self? Yeah. I mean, it it's the one that's living in absence of the trauma avatar. In well, this so when fear you meditate, if you, if you meditate, you meditate and meditate and meditate. If, if you get that stillness, that's where it exists in that stillness. There's no emotional reaction to anything in that stillness you just are 
And that's, I, I agree. I, in fact, for five or six years prior to me having this practice, I would meditate. And what was happening was, was I was able to, in moments, whether I was in a yoga mat or running, or I would have these, I could create these uh, intervals where I was not possessed by the trauma avatar, but I was one with, I was with God or I was with love or I was with my authentic higher self, but those were only like brief respites. And then I would descend back into the trauma avatar and I would begin living reactively and fearfully again. But and, once you get into that state and you understand that it can exist, well, then you, then you know, you can expound on it. Well, that's why this, this, this process has been so instrumental for me because I understood that there was a way to respond and to love. And there was this other part of God consciousness that was very practical and accessible to me when I quieted my mind. So what this does now is I go through my day and when I do the mantras, it literally just puts all the trauma avatar patterns to sleep. So now I'm moving through, I'd say 85, I'd say 85% of my day non-reactively and non-fearfully open and connected to that same energy I was that I was getting fleetingly through meditation here and there and then descending back into chaos. That's great. Well, that's just the practice. It's not because I'm some amazing person. It's because this thing is so like, okay, so then that's why this practice is is because it, it meditating there and being passively and instilling the mind and quieting is one thing, but getting back to the dual nature of human beings. And this goes back to like books, like, have you ever heard of the Kabbalion? No. It's hermetic principles. So Cabal? the Kabbalion. Kabbalion. It's, Kabbalion. It's, based, is it? it's hermetic hermetic philosophy. So the hermetic philosophy, and, and I actually was given this book um, about six months ago after I'd already been doing the thing. It just validated because this goes back to like, this is one of the oldest like esoteric books. It's like 9,000 years old. And what it talks about is like the, the uh, you know, um, gender. The plane of like the the principle of gender on the mental plane, and what it says is basically corroborating what I was talking about is that there's the masculine energy that's the expressive or the active part, and then there's the feminine subconscious receptive part of the mind. So that's the subconscious and conscious. Okay, it's the objective and the subjective, and so what has happened in the last two years that a lot of people have been affected by is because their own masculine energy was so plummeted from being inert. Then they were bombarded by all the news stuff and they were highly suggestible and they were highly like their, their receptive feminine subconscious was very receptive to what was coming at them. And it was a projection of energy and a suggestion and um, programming that really messed a lot of people up. And so, in the past, what's happened is that a dominating person can dominate the minds of others, whether it's Hitler or Trump or whatever. They just send a stream of vibratory energy towards passive people who are mainly in their, their, their subjective subconscious mind. And those individuals react and become programmed or they, they re react. Does that make sense? Yeah, they follow a, that person. Um, pretty common. But what happens with this is we're actually taking the, we're reactivating our masculine energy, men and women alike, by saying, I just love to be personally responsible. I'm already 
hardwired to act like a victim. So by me saying, I just love to be personally responsible for myself and my commitments, and then you wait five seconds, it's allowing that stream of vibratory energy to enter into your own subconscious mind and begin to change the nature of the impressions in there. And then you say, I, you do that one three times. Then you do, I choose to continue being personally responsible for myself and my commitments. And you do that three times. Then you do, I am continuing. And then you, you know, so those are the alignment mantras. And so what happens over time is you just, you're change, you're activating your masculine energy and you are the person who's using your will to set the commands to your subconscious and your subconscious responds. The next thing, like I know my personal experience is my car is washed. It's clean. It's registered. There's a full tank of gas. This place is clean. I have keys to it. I have an office. Like there's a, you know, all my relationships with my kids and stuff. I have like, I'm self-reliant just from that mantra alone over the last three years, there's no more like unconscious uh, drive to create dependencies on other people and to want to be taken care of or looking for like a, a female person in my life to, to help take care of me. Cause I can't do it cause I'm a victim and I'm incapable. So it's put all that to sleep. And that's just one of the 21 mantras that we do. So another one would be, you know, I mean, there's, it starts a certain sequence and it goes through and each time you do it, well, you're activating more of your masculine energy, so you're becoming less susceptible to external programming, and you're rewiring your brain. You're creating overriding thought patterns that override these patterns that were based in trauma and neglect that support fear and put us into the trauma avatar. And over, it's I've been doing the practice since 2000, late 2018, and I had one relapse after like 10 months of doing them. And in the beginning, they were just empty words. I felt silly even saying them. But now two years into it, it's like I'm visualizing things and then I'm getting downloads. It's like today you're going to go do this. Oh, I'm going to go. Or like I get this idea to go dig my bike out of storage and clean it up and fix it and put headlights on it. Boom. That's what I do. That would have taken me a month before because I was so passive. So, you know, I mean, so I and then I start to see and that's why this need for progression is so incredible. The need to develop towards a more desired aim or state of being. If I don't feel like I'm developing or growing or expanding spiritually, if I can't recognize progress in my life. I get really antsy. I start to feel anxious and I start to feel stuck and I start to create weird things in order. I start to blow things up. And so this process tiles me into this need for progression to develop gradually towards a more desired aim or state of being. But that's only through doing those mantras. I've taken medication. I've done tons of yoga. I've done tons of meditation. I've, I've, I've listened to some people, but like nothing intellectually. That's why it says right here. Uh, it says, okay, this creates the mental space to reconnect with a greater power than self. Gradually over time, this helps us to overcome any intellectual resistance from our trauma avatar through a direct personal experience with spiritual love and truth. So I've actually intervened upon my trauma avatar. I've put it into a state of dormancy. I put it to sleep and I've reestablished a connection with that spiritual, that consciousness of being with what I am, my essence. And in that reconnection, then I can, oh, like, there's no, it, there's no believing in a higher power, like in the AA. I'm having a direct personal experience with something. 
I'm gaining spiritual insights from that. I'm collaborating with it and I'm creating different experiences. I'm not like believing in something or having faith in something that may or may not show up. I'm doing the action and it's my birthright to be able to receive the, from the universe because the, the, the work I'm putting in. But God doesn't reward lazy people or people that are just like, you know, like I, for a long time I was pontificating all the time and I sounded really smart or whatever the thing was. But like, you know, until I put it into practice and really understood like, whoa, I created some really shitty patterns. Other people, they're in their trauma avatar and their game works great for them. But my trauma avatar, I set up really shitty games and, and, and rules and, and ideas and the whole thing's corrupt. So that's why it says in six and seven, which is basically when you get to six and seven in the 12 steps, it says we are entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. And then we ask God to remove our shortcomings. So this is we are entirely ready to have God help us raise our vibration above this defect of character. Okay, and we're asking God to help us create new patterns to override these patterns that make us always fall short. We never hit the mark with these patterns we've created. We always fall short of connection and community and intimacy and creative expression because we're not worthy of those things. We don't deserve them. We don't believe so, there's something inherently that we've accepted that our feminine subconscious mind accepted. The serpent talked to us and we accepted that. We created that idea about ourselves and our capacity and our ability. And we've handicapped ourselves by that. Well, they're coping mechanisms that keep us and that, that came from survival mode. And that's what we, we do. We go back into that. We live in, to it. we live in survival mode. But I don't think it's like, um, it's just what we do. I'm doing, I'm this person. I'm not like the labels. I, even though like that's the way I talk, cause that's the way I'm accustomed to talking. Mm -hmm. I don't think whatever you were talking about that you were lazy. I think that is some. It's a reaction to something else. Like we're unconscious. We're not conscious of it. So we That's do true. something like I'm watching Netflix too much because I started watching it during the pandemic, and now it's like a new addiction. You know, mm -hmm. but it's not laziness. It's a. Uh, it's an avoidance, like a of fearful things because it's almost like a nerd. It's just being a nerd. It's just kind of being it's freeze. It's play. It's freeze. Yeah, it's, it's, it's freeze. placating ourselves in a frozen state. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's like, I'd like to relate to things uh, non-judgmentally are. Yeah. Because we, we have all these labels and we don't know what a person's going through. Oh yeah. We don't know what, where that where a, a behavior that we're interpreting mm -hmm. as lazy is not what they're, interpreting it as this is our judgment of it i was just calling oh, myself lazy. that because yeah, i know i know but like yeah. when i think about you hear it all the time like with the defects of character um there i i have to look at it like things that we took on or that we reacted to in our own unique ways because my sisters didn't react like i'm reacting we all reacted differently to the same experience, to the same experience. Correct. Well, their experience of it was probably different than mine, but the same situation that we saw, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, we're human beings and we, we are designed to do, we were designed for that in a way, but it's not, it is the, the part of us that's dark. And that's um, when you live in fear, you don't grow. 
um, you don't achieve things you want to, you know, it's, it's all very natural. It is. But it's where, where do we choose to go from here? Where do we choose? That's where it, it all comes down to it. Cause I could just stay in that state. Well, I think the choose thing is really important because all the way of the conscious creator process is going to facilitate for someone is they can create for themselves a similar experience. They can understand what it is to be, they can elevate their awareness and their vibration above this avatar and they can see these patterns objectively. They Not as a part of them that literally feels like they're going to kill. They can let the avatar die with those ideas that don't serve them rather than having to nail themselves on the cross like Jesus. And they can have the tools to tap into this essence, this fundamental essence, this love and true spirituality within them and have a practical experience with it in this lifetime. And they can always go back into the trauma avatar, but at least they have the roadmap to go have that. Cause once you have that, you could say, I'm going to live in my avatar and I'm good. Or I'm going to live in this, you know, spiritual love and truth consciousness. I'm going to live authentic, like from a more authentic place of being. Oh, I have the tools to do either of those. Then I can choose. But right now it's not even a choice because they don't even have any understanding or recollection of what this other thing is. I had no idea what this thing was until I started living in it. When I, and me articulating it saying, oh, I liberated myself from my, my authentic self from this trauma avatar, and I'm now living above the fear vibration. I can only say that after I knew that, like, after I understood that that was what I was doing. And that only came from actually doing it. Like, I'm not like saying things to sound cool. Those are the only words that I can put into it. Me being the human I am with like, I'm inadequate. I, I can only say what I can say, but I'm going. I was possessed by my idea of things and those ideas were fearful and they kept me hurting people and they kept me in, it kept confusing other people who wanted to love me and kept me in creative, uh, like, uh, chaos. It was, it was miserable. You know what I mean? And I would come up for error. I would inadvertently get into alignment and moments of surrender in the program when I was like really got my ass beat by drugs and alcohol or other mechanisms of addiction. And I would surrender and my trauma avatar would just be like, I surrender. I'll do whatever you say. And that had a shelf life, but it was, it was, it was the difference between um, what's the word compliance and surrender. Like I'm surrendering my, I'm surrendering my need to be right about these ideas that are terrible. I surrender. I might not know. I could have been mistaken. And just, and, and so that's why it's really interesting. Like the fourth measure, for example, that the first triad is really rough. Cause it's like, we're going through, we're, sh we're showing you these, the, we're showing the individual, the patterns, and then we're doing a habit pattern inventory to gain awareness of it. So we're saying when I indulge in this pattern, my life looks like this. I am validating this belief about myself, neglecting this need, and I am attached and addicted to feeling this emotion. And we do that for each of the pattern. Does that make sense? And then, and then we share that inventory. What's up, buddy? We'll be done in about five minutes. Then we share that we share that inventory with uh, another person. And in doing so, then we can move into like, okay, cool. That's what I do when I'm in those patterns. What else is possible for me? 
So when we begin to cultivate a curious and receptive mind, where then from that point forward, all we're doing is focusing on these new possibilities that we desire or we're curious about. We're curious because first it's curiosity. We don't have desire to experience these things, but we're curious. What would our life even look like if we were living in these patterns rather than the ones from the, the trauma and neglect? And then we start to raise our vibration and start to move towards them and cultivate in moments experiences where we're supporting those curiosities that then become desires. Because now I have a desire. At first, all I could do is be curious about something. Because it was like, how could I desire something I've never really experienced? Yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah. There's a, you know, um, what I'm seeing you probably, maybe you can relate. I'm not sure. Um, when, okay. I, I had, I, I, I read this and this is how I learned what, what I think is happening. Um, you could be going through something. You could, you could know that this isn't working your reaction, the way you're reacting, but your the grooves are so deep within our unconscious mind mm-hmm. that it will tell you things to keep you stuck in the other behavior that is not serving you hands down it wants to it's so threatened it and wants to live it wants to live and you could feel terrible and, or I could feel terrible. So I'm feeling like, Oh, well, I'm really upset about this thing. I'm not really reacting to it though. I'm going to do something else. And then that groove will go, Oh no, you're not. Mm-hmm. We're going to push it down. We're going to put you in situations where you're, it's going to affirm that belief because we're not going away. Exactly. It doesn't want to die off. It doesn't want to die off. And that's really tough because you, you want to get to that point. I want to well, get to this point. Really, really quickly. The interesting thing about this particular process, it's designed for people such as me, because what you're describing is my life. I would start to get towards the end, rim of the barrel. And then the other crabs in my mind would pull me back down again, over and over and over and over again. And so I was a victim of that cycle. And so what this does, that's why it says on progression to develop gradually towards a more desired aim. It doesn't happen so quickly that that thing freaks out and pulls the rug out from underneath me and I sabotage. Because what I learned was sabotage isn't sabotage. It's that part of me insanely protecting itself from threats. And the threat is anything that goes against its idea of who it is and what it is. And so in moments. Yep. What we do is regardless of how that thing's feeling, we sit down and we do our mantras every day. And little by little, at such a gradual rate, I'm, I'm four years into this, the, the, there's so much, the, the, the trauma, 60%, 40 to 60% of that trauma avatar has transmutated into a conscious character that's in alignment with what, with what I am. And it happens so slowly and in so many moments over such a gradual, this is like a five-year investment. But then when we come out the other end, that trauma avatar has literally, it, it, it never died. In a moment, a little piece of it died and another part of us came forward. And then in another moment, another little piece like went into atrophy and another piece came forward. It's like pushing all these things and then this other stuff comes back, but it's dot by dot, like pixelated. Does that make sense? 
No, totally. And, and actually, when I was reading um, those books, I did see, came, you know, I came to understand because I have a tendency to take on everything. And I can do that for a short period of time. And then I collapse and then I blame myself. Look, look, you can't get, you can't do any better. You keep going, you keep repeating this. You keep coming back to, you can't do it. Because mm -hmm. I take on everything because gradual doesn't work for me. Mm. And that is part of probably my, another layer of sabotage for me, you know, like. Gradual doesn't work for you when you're in that trauma avatar because it has certain standards that are unrealistic. Is that what you're saying? Um, no, like right now, I, the gradual stuff was as soon as you start talking about how long it takes, I start getting depressed because I need it now. But you can recognize it on a daily basis. I see every day little bits of my life are changed. It's so, it's perfect because it's enough where you go, oh, wow, something's going on here. Right. But that's, I think that's part of my deeper, deep, deep, deep sabotage is that it's not enough for me. And since it's not enough, that means I have to, um, I give up. That's part of the, that's part of this whole response stuff that is so deep. Like, this is why you be patient with other people too. Mm -hmm. The level of, we don't understand, we don't know everything we're thinking. We don't know where it came from. We don't, there's so much we don't have access to. Right. And so to see these things, like for, for me to see, like I heard it yesterday mm -hmm. and I kind of have it in my head and then you repeated it. So it's more now I'm like, okay, it is, that idea of it does take time. You have to change the grooves. You don't change the grooves by just saying, I want to change the grooves. I really thought that. I thought, well, okay. Right. I, yeah. I don't want to feel that way again. Right. I don't want to be depressed. Right. I don't want to give up. So I'm just I'm just gonna, you know, say, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna be depressed. I'm not gonna give up because if I have that much power over my head. Right then why can't I, you know, I should be able to do it, mm -hmm. but it doesn't work that way. Cause they're grooves. It, it, you have to. Well, we did just know they're there, but if we're retraining our mind and disciplining our mind to focus on like, what's the thing on the, you know, like whatever the desired possibility is like what, you know, uh, we only have a couple of minutes now, but like if, if we keep redirecting our mind back and every day sit with this possibility, Pretty soon what happens with those grooves, we're not changing those grooves. They never disappear. They don't erase. They just go into atrophy and they become inactive and they go into a dormant state and they no longer affect us because they're inactive. We have to become triggered for those to turn on anyway. And then most of the time we're keeping ourselves in situations like I was keeping myself in a situation with the living situation with the woman. We were participating in this dynamic and I felt really whatever. And I was just like I was constantly triggering myself into my trauma avatar by participating in this dynamic with my roommate. And I didn't realize I was doing that. So you know, it, it literally starts with just you know on a daily basis you know, getting the mind to start being open to these other ideas because it's wherever we put our, our, our focus is what, what's going to be given to us. And so if we're, we're not going to try to like wrestle with fear, we're going to cultivate courage. We're not going to wrestle with our thing of like us, you know, being unwilling to receive love from others. We're going to focus on expanding this capacity for love 
And we're going to understand what the word expand and capacity and love mean because we're inputting that into our brain. We're consuming that. It's the fruit from the tree of life. We're, we've been consuming a bunch of true fruit from the tree of knowledge and it hasn't been serving us. But just like anything we put in our body, we want to understand what we're ingesting. And so we're ingesting these words and these words have meaning. They have a vibration to them. And we're putting them into our brain. And as we're feeding our brain these new words with these new vibrations to them, these higher vibrations, these love vibrations, these truth vibrations, as opposed to projection, fear, and need for control vibrations, we start to elevate ourselves above that trauma avatar and we start to live more authentically because we're not in fear. Fear is very inauthentic. But it happens little by little. There's no other way. I mean, that I've found. I've done everything. I've tried pills. I've done so much. And uh, when I meant that I was lazy, it was like, I, you know, I was never lazy, but uh, the minute I got this thing, the minute I got this downloaded and I saw that these mantras were they're given to me because I wanted to stay in my kids' lives. I didn't want to smoke meth and lose my children. That was the desire I had. I wanted to love my kids. And I was literally, it was like not happening. Like right. I kept trade. And so I went to this rehab and I had 30 days and I just sat, like got quiet with that energy, got back into alignment. It was given to me. And then I started right away immediately because it was like very instinctual. It's like I knew that if I started practicing those things, I had a shot because I knew this wasn't enough for me. I'm not that kind of alcoholic where it just felt really good and it got out of hand. No, I had deep psychological problems before I engaged drugs and alcohol, and those were not getting any better. The progressive disease of addiction that they talk about is these patterns becoming more ingrained and more more automatic. That's progressive. That kills it's, us. It's actually a chemical reaction in our brains that we create over and over again. Everything is is a, is a chemical thing because that's what we are. We're chemicals. Okay. Um, and I'm not talking about like any spiritual side or consciousness or whatever. It, it is a chemical reaction. Like you can see it. You can actually see it if you... Well, let's say doctors, I don't know how they map it, but anyway, it is a chemical reaction and there is, there are ways to change your brain chemistry. It neuroplasticity is what I'm talking about. And that's what this is. This yeah. is literally rewiring your entire brain out of trauma and into love. Right. So Period. that's why I talk about grooves because it's just the way that they talk about it. And it makes sense to my brain to mm -hmm. see that as a record that has been playing over and over again to the point where I'm not even playing the record. That's where the, that's how the book describes it too. And it, it, there is like a certain age I, in this, this one book that I'm reading, they say it's, um, this is a neuro neuroscientist. He's, you're 35 years old and that's when the grooves are so ingrained in you that you're not, you're completely not aware. Like you're not really choosing at that point. Exactly. And that's what I'm talking about. And that's why only something this drastic will uh, will facilitate the necessary has the necessary power to because it's internal it's all internal it's all focused it's all literally going and attacking those grooves and it's literally creating a new uh, at like a new um a culture it's like you've been playing on the cleveland browns who have been one in 16 for 20 years you're you're putting new players on that team you're putting new coaches in there because there's two things there's the there's the the thought patterns that the actual wiring in the brain that creates the patterns and then there's the impressions that are stored in the subconscious those are two different things so the patterns are fueled by the impressions we feed our subconscious right. And so the patterns aren't in the subconscious, the patterns are in our mind, but they gain fuel from the fearful impressions we keep feeding it to keep them active. And so that's what it, we're literally possessed by that. 
Right. And so the only way to get that is to recognize that we're possessed by it, intervene upon them. But so we don't first start off with these, 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 um, these uh, alignment mantras. We do possibility mantras first. We have to present these things to the mind in the form of a possibility, not, oh, you're sure. Like if someone believes they're ugly and you're like, oh, tell yourself you're beautiful. That part you talked about earlier in the podcast where you're like, it wants to stay alive. It'll deflect it. It'll sabotage. It'll help. It'll make us dissociate and deflect any, any type of that bullshit. So that's why instead we say, I accept the possibility of being beautiful. I accept that being beautiful is possible for me. I accept that I can now be beautiful. So we go through a whole phase with just possibility mantras prior to the alignment mantra. Because we have to ready our mind to even receive these possibilities. So the mind first needs to become neutral. Like, I don't know. Just live in a question. Maybe I'm not ugly. That's the first part. And then from maybe I'm not ugly, it's like, oh, I might be beautiful. And we do that with each of these patterns. Well, those but, are just words when someone says that to you. Just, um, uh, you, are, you are beautiful. That's just an example. But. No, no, I'm not saying, it could be with anything. Oh, yeah. Any Anytime someone just says something like, oh, well, just be happy then. Those right. are just words strung together. They don't, they're not making, they're not seeping into my mind like an energetic change that is like, oh, wow, thanks for saying I should just be happy. Now I can do it. <laughs> yeah, it makes you want to punch them in the face. And actually what the, the reason why I form it in the form of the possibilities is we call it the insecurity guard. The insecurity guard doesn't react. That trauma, trauma avatar won't react to a possibility the same way it will an affirmation. So accepting that something's possible lets those impressions seep into the subconscious and get past the sentinel or the insecurity guard and begin to change the culture of impressions that are in there. And once there's enough impressions in there that support love and truth as opposed to fear and control, well, then we can liberate our authentic self out of that, that trauma avatar identity. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's very hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. You just sit down and do mantras a half hour a day for five years. Yeah, but, you know, it's not something you just – it's it, it's changing your whole way of being, especially for me, like being older. It's, it's just like, wow. Mm -hmm. It's it's very – two years, especially more than two years of being in this really, really – death-like state is it's not like i'm i've come out of it but i'm still there half of me is still there totally more than half i get it and i that's why i say it's hard because it but is it I possible but is it possible yeah i mean i got up that's one no that's what i'm saying but that was the first part but i mean actually changing these the vibration of us as a human being reactivating our masculine energy. This over here knows it's possible. This over here is saying, no, it's not. You're just lying to yourself again. So my experience is I go and I talk to that part that's saying, no, it's not. And I grab it by the hand. And I say, come on, we're going to go check it out. This game where you're playing is in inadequate. It's insufficient. It doesn't work anymore. We have to try something new. Well, I understand yeah. that you're scared, right. but like this is, we're dying. Like literally you're killing me and you're not going to have any game if you keep going really, like this because I'm going to have cancer. No, really. That's how everyone no, I know. dies. It's just funny though, how we're not really, um, it's possession. We're, we're just all these thoughts, you know, we're just all these thoughts. 30 seconds. Thanks, Asher. 30 seconds. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you for spending an hour just kind of helping with the process. I know it's a lot and I wasn't trying to not do anything else, but just trying to clarify the message so I can be helpful to other people. Are so we off? We're done right now. Thank you okay. guys.